Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. Those who walk the Camino are pilgrims. It's a pilgrimage. And most pilgrims arrive at the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela or St. James under a field of stars. Numbers are starting to increase. Uh, More than 360 arrived in one day of this week alone. That's quite a significant increase on just last week. It's the journey of a lifetime, and if you're lucky enough, you may get the chance to walk the Camino more than once, because it calls us back. Walt Disney once said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. My guest this week is an American pilgrim, Steve Wolfer. Steve wrote to me from Eagle, Idaho. I just love the sound of the town. Welcome, pilgrim. Thank you, Dan. Great to be with you. I, in some ways, I feel a, a, an honor to be with the, uh, the Camino royalty here of Dan Mullins. <laughs> Come on. I'm no, royal t- I'm no more royal than anyone else, I tell you. But uh, b- b- before we get to the Camino, tell us about Eagle, Idaho. I love the sound of it. Oh, Eagle, Idaho. It's, it's in the foothills on the west side of the Rockies. And uh, we're just kind of – we're high desert. And um, it's real beautiful. It's kind of where the the high flat plains of the Snake River meet the the foothills of the Rockies. And so we're kind of had the best of both worlds, where there's lots of flat around here, but we look up at the mountains. And and uh, when you want to get up to them, they're just a short drive up the hill, or you get out and walk around. Uh, but it's we're kind of high desert, which is which is different from what you might think up here. We only get 12 inches of precipitation a year. Wow! But it's real nice. Yeah, yeah. We love it here. Because when we in Australia think of that part of the world, that part of the United States, we think of great beauty uh, and, and, you know, beautiful landscapes and big sweeping plains and gorgeous country, yeah? It, it is. You know, it's funny when I, when I, when I tell people and, and, and as, as you've talked, have you spoken with a lot of your other callers about trying to explain the Camino to other people, the first question I get is, like, you live in Idaho. Why are you going hiking in Spain? <laughs> but, <laughs> and I have to – and my, my usual response is, well, it's nice to hike here in the wilderness, but there's not amazing coffee and, and, and wine along the trail here. <laughs> so, and there, there, there are not pilgrims on that trail. Right, exactly. And, and as you well know and a lot of the listeners know is – um, that that is the magical special part that that is different than anyone else in the world. Okay, let's talk about your first pilgrimage uh, in October last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, and it was your first. I, um, it was my first. It was not my first time to Santiago. I I first moved um, uh, to make a, a real long story short is I had a job after college that I didn't like, and uh, I got a postcard from a friend of mine that went on an exchange program in college to Spain and liked it so much he stayed. And he, and he sent me the card with all kinds of great stuff and stories about what he was doing and said, um, when are you coming? And, and there was a phone number on it. And um, I laughed and put the postcard in my pocket. I went to work and had a bad experience. And from work, I called the number on the postcard and, and, and was lucky enough to connect with them. And, uh, 
And uh, we talked, and I said, I got your postcard, and are you serious about me coming? And he said, yes. In fact, I just got a new apartment, and I need a roommate. So I said, I'll be there and sold everything I owned, which I think at 24 years old, I, everything I owned was a fish tank, a futon, and, a, <laughs> and, not, and not a whole lot of stuff. But I moved to Spain. <laughs> I moved to Spain and just fell in love with the place. And um, I, uh, the culture, the people, the food, the everything. And um, I was in Granada, in, which is in far southern Spain during that time. And I had a Spanish roommate um, who's actually was, was from Canada, who, whose family was from Galicia. And uh, one of the breaks in school, we went up, we went up to, uh, to visit his family up north. And we went to Santiago, and, you know, when you walk out onto that, that big open area in front of the cathedral, I was just amazed, and pilgrims were walking through. And I, and I, I asked him, you know, what the heck's going on here? What are all these people coming through? And he said, oh, they're, they're pilgrims. And, I, and that's, when I, that's when I was first uh, 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 exposed to um, Santiago and, and the story. And, and at, from that point on, I, I love history. So I started reading the history and started learning all that I could about it and started reading books. And, and, um, and, I, and I told myself at that point, I, I, I will be back. I'm, I, I have to do this and I have to learn more about it. And um, over the course of the next 25 years, I actually visited Santiago two or three more times. Once with my, my um, I'll fast forward through, I, I, I married a Spanish lady. We lived in um, Jerez in the south for three years and then moved back to the States. And, uh, and I thought about uh, all the time about getting back and doing the, doing the, uh, the Camino. And then um, uh, was similar, I was listening to some of your older uh, 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 programs, and I, and I listened to the one about you talking about being your 50th birthday and wanting to do this. And uh, and. My fiftieth birthday was coming up, and I said, "You know, if I don't do this now, I, I may not ever be able to do it." And uh, so it was interesting your your process of kind of what you want to do and for your fiftieth birthday for your first Camino was my uh, was my line in the sand is saying I got to get practice steps in and I got to get there and do it. And so I got there. Um, I got the uh, the okay from my wife to go do it, and I did it by myself. You know, I'm I'm amazed and just uh, of of all of the folks that have done, um, you know, the uh, uh, like you all the way from Lords and and so many others from uh, Saint Jean de Port. Um, I was limited by my time, and so I kind of looked for a Camino that I could do that would fit into my time, and um, so I hiked from Saria to Finisterre. So um, I went to I, I went to um, you know five five days out before Santiago and then four days after to the coast, and so I had a, a two week time constraint. Which um, now looking back, uh, it, you know, it was enough to get me to just all I can think about all the time is when am I going to get back? Right. And um, I'm going yeah. So you know what I mean? That's once you get there, it's almost like uh, um, it's it's contagious. And it is um, all-encompassing once you've yeah. done it to get that feeling again. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that you first heard about it in 1993 and then it took you 25 years to finally step foot on the Camino. But 
over over those twenty five years, you were you were very conscious of it and very intrigued and and you did a lot of research and what have you. What did you did it reach your or meet your expectations when you finally arrived? You know, a hundredfold. Um, I, lo- I before I went there, it was the history and the mystery, and. Uh, I've never, I've never quite said it that way before, but it really was. I love the history of it, and I love the mystery of it. And when I got there, it took even another twist from the standpoint of the people. Um, I think between the history, the mystery, and the people, it's just such a um, – again, you, you can't really explain it to anybody that hasn't been there. And I think it's the mindset that everybody there is moving in the same direction with a common goal – and uh, I told people when I when I got back, the best thing about it was it was two weeks where I didn't watch the news or hear anybody talk about who they hate or love in politics. <laughs> you know, it was just a void of the outside world, and yeah. and and you have real conversations with people. And uh, the other thing too is for me, this was the duality of alone and self reflection time together with the camaraderie and the shared experience of sharing it with everybody else. Um, those two things, the duality of being alone and together at the same time, I, mean, I, I don't know if you can experience that. Yeah. And what about the spirituality of, the, of it all? It, it, it's, it's renowned for its mystical and spiritual impact on people. Did you experience that? And, and, and then the second part of the question is, it, did you like again? Did it exceed your expectations? Yeah, it exceeded it, and and then some. Um, the spirituality side of it is, um, I I'm Catholic. Um, I grew up Catholic, and um, I, I'm not a, um, a <laughs> I don't know how to say I'm not an all in every every Sunday kind of Catholic, but um, um, but so I had you know I have that history of it that was even more important to me maybe and and to my family and. And uh, my wife, being from Spain, she said she had two choices: she could be Catholic or she could be Catholic. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, with that said, is I didn't go into it from the religious part. I went into it from almost the self-reflection. Is I I wanted you know that that age fifty birthday to me was you know um, I, I wanted to kind of learn more about myself. And so I set off, and, and my, in my mind beforehand, my perception was I'd be walking and thought all day, and which there was a great deal of that, don't get me wrong, but I think my best memories were um, with the people I met along the way and the experiences. And, um, and I think with that, the spirituality side of it revealed itself differently. I was reminded of different things that I hadn't thought of before w- about myself and about perception as to the way I should be doing things back home. And, and you know, one of the things, one of, one of your callers, um, I, I don't recall his name, but he said something about that, how there were several times along the Camino that he thought about his family and just and, and almost cried because he felt as though he was letting them down almost. Yeah. And and I had moments of time where and I think you you know you have kids as well and when you get there without your spouse and your kids and you're thinking man it's a little selfish for me to be here doing this without them 
And, um, but then on the flip side, what that did to me was it really solidified my relationship with my family from the standpoint of, I really, really realized that, um, I'm not going to take them for granted as much as I maybe did before. Does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. Absolutely. It does. And, and you are indeed going to be walking again later this year with your daughter who's finishing high school on June the 1st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, um, she, um, you know, really wanted to, to, to do this, um, last year and we couldn't make it worth. And so I said, yeah, let's do it next year. So she graduates from high school June 1st and we leave for Spain June 3rd. Oh. And we're doing El Camino Primitivo. Yeah, and you wrote to me, I, yeah. can, I can think of no better way to send her on her way into the world by starting her out on a pilgrimage on El Camino. That's a really great right. idea. That's a really good idea. You know, I, it's, I thought, you know, because that, that first step into adulthood when you, when you go to college, which for some of us it might take another 10 years after that, but... <laughs> Um, but, but as we send them out into the world, out of the house after high school, you know, she's going to college. I thought, you know, um, I came away with such a different interpretation of the world that I thought, no, this would be a great way for her to, to, you know, find out who she is and maybe, um, be able to connect with other people. And I'm not that she's not outgoing and and what now, but but to give her, you know, to look at, look at the world through someone else's eyes and, and have, that, have that feeling of being a part of something. Um, so I don't know, that's, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, and she'll meet people from around the world who will be part of her life forever. Uh, oh, and that's, isn't that the truth? Yeah, and that's a wonderful thing. It's something that we all share. Um, I, I perform gigs regularly. I, I'm, I'm always out and about. And, and just last night, I played at a, a Sydney's oldest pub, the Fortune of War Hotel. And the stamps were all over the front of my guitar. And this fellow came up to me and said, Buen Camino. And I said, oh. And he said, just pointed to the guitar and said, I recognize some of those stamps. I've played in, I've stayed in some of those places. And we laughed and, and chatted and gave her, had a big hug at the end, like old friends. It was uh, the, it was the it, first time we met. It's a connection you have, right? When you meet other pilgrims, wherever you are. I, um, I was in the airport in um, Atlanta two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I ran into some guys with their backpacks with, uh, with the shells hanging off the back of their backpacks. And they were headed back on their second Camino. And, uh, I, I saw them and I, as I walked by them in the airport, I said, when Camino, and they looked at me and, and they said, when Camino. And, <laughs> and I said, are you headed, you headed over or coming back? They said, we're headed back for a second. And I, you know, I wished them well. And, and, uh, and, you know, and we just instantly had that connection. Yeah. 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 It's fantastic. It is fantastic. Now, you you mentioned Maria Eugenia, the, your wife, and she's Spanish, right? And you've, yeah, she you, is. You, yep. you, you've moved, you moved back. You mentioned you moved back to the states, and now you're based in Eagle, Idaho. So, do you? Does she have a desire to walk the Camino? <laughs> does she, you know, as she, a, <laughs> a Spaniard, have a great interest in it? And is, is she fascinated you know, by she, your fascination? <laughs> she. Um, she does not, we've, I've almost have her talk to now. She's physically very capable of doing it. Um, but she doesn't have that. She doesn't, she hasn't been sparked by it. Like I have, 
and I don't, uh, I, I don't know if it's because she's known about it her whole life and does it, it's not as, of, of interest to her, but it's interesting. I almost have her talked into doing it next year, the year after. And, and our deal is I'll walk all day and meet her uh, at the town and we'll drink wine and have dinner, go to bed, and then she'll sleep in and meet me the next evening <laughs> on a bus. She'll take the bus or the train to the next town. And I think that's her idea of a, uh, of a glamping um, Camino for her, but she just, she, has, she hasn't caught the bug. Um, she's all right with me going, which, which I'm respectful of that. And, and, um, you know, her whole family is still in Spain. So I think, um, if, if, if I'm able to go again next year, she'll probably go and visit her family while I'm doing it again up North, another section. You know, um, I walked in 2016 with a Spanish fellow, uh, and his wife, uh, <laughs> His wife, Pila, uh, Pedro it was his name. Her name was Pila. She had absolutely no interest in walking, but she was a great art enthusiast. So, so, yeah. she, so he walked each day, and she had this big, long itinerary of art galleries and, and sculptures and places that she wanted to visit. So she had the time of her life. And they met. So that was her. That was her Camino. Exactly. She she drove. She would get up in the morning. You know, see him off and off. He went and walked for the day. And she would put the stuff in the back of the car and drive off around town. You know, drive a couple of hours either side of the Camino or whatever, seeing art galleries and 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 workshops and all sorts of stuff. And and each night she would be talking and talking and talking about what she'd seen that day. And we'd be all looking at her, thinking, "How fabulous is this?" You know, she's having the time of yeah. her life, and so are we. Yeah, she was having, she was doing it her way. Yeah, exactly. So in, in a way, she was enjoying it and, and having doing everything she wanted to do. I'll, t- I'll tell you about doing it your way. I, I did. Um, you know, we talk. Everybody talks about angels that they meet along and Camino angels yeah. and different things that happen. And and this isn't so much an angel from the standpoint of um, you know I was in trouble or or um, I needed help and somebody came and helped me. It was more of an awakening angel that kind of reminded me of of of, um, everybody doing the Camino their own way as I, I met this wonderful, uh, two Canadian women who were, Oh, um, I would guess in their sixties, early one was late fifties, early sixties. And one was a little later sixties. And then this wonderful Brazilian guy. And, uh, we, we became, you know, kind of a, my, they became my Camino family for, for, uh, four or five days. And we, um, Great, great people. We were walking one day, and as you know, sometimes you're all walking together, and then you tend to separate and then come together when you need to and then separate. And this particular day, it was a beautiful um, late morning day, and, and uh, we we kind of separated out about 10 paces apart from each other. And each of us were kind of in deep thought and and um, didn't need to talk and just enjoying the the, 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 the beauty of the, of the quiet. And in a distance, we heard music. And that music got louder and louder and louder. Not only was it just music, but it was Spanish rap music. Oh. <laughs> and it was, and it was Spanish rap music getting louder and louder coming. And he turned around, and there was about five teenage boys, and they had big backpacks on with, and one of them had a big portable speaker on top of his backpack. And uh, as those boys got closer and the music got louder, I got angrier and angrier. And I, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, here we're on this pilgrimage, enjoying the peace and quiet. And, you know, this, this supposedly uh, 
a, a religious pilgrimage. And here these guys are cranking music on 11, walking down the trail. And I turned around and I could see the scowl on the other, uh, the other three folks with me. And, and, um, and, uh, pretty soon the first boy passed me and he, and he turns and with a giant smile ear to ear said the Camino greeting Buen Camino with just the happiest outlook on life. And he walked by me, the next boy, Buen Camino, and he walked by me. And the, the last, the, I'm the last guy walked by me. I kind of just looked up and up at the air and pointed at God and said, that was a test, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> here I was just so angry. And then I realized it all, like, just like, um, you know, my, my, my hair stood up on end. It was, you know, I'm doing it my way and they're doing it their way. And my way isn't any better than their way. And these three, these five young boys were out um, doing the hike and they were by themselves and they were, you know, 17, 18 years old. And, uh, you know, my way wasn't any better than their way. And uh, just like your friend that that did it doing art museums and, and, and traveling around and she did it her way. Yeah, that's great. That is a great story. Do you remember where you were? Yeah, it was... Um, it was somewhere between Puerto Marin and Arua, Aru- Aru- I think it's called, oh, right yeah, in yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. section in there somewhere. Yeah. I really yeah, love the, that part. The, oh, it's so, you know, yeah. it was interesting. Everybody talks about how when coming from the north and from uh, El Camino Frances, when you get right into that area, how the, 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 like it's a day after that, I think, when the trail gets full of all the different pilgrims that come together from the different Caminos, um, I... You know, on the one hand, it was kind of crowded, but it was almost like a melting pot, which I at first was a little uh, – I didn't like it as much. But then I, 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 when we got to Santiago, I liked it because we were all together. But for me, the, from there to the coast, from there to, uh, to Finisterre, I, I saw like five hikers a day. And that – it really changed after that. And I really liked the last – for uh, four days after that, um, as much as anywhere else that I did. I'll tell you, I have one other, one other story. I don't know how we are in time, but one other amazing story that happened is, um, on that, on that last section after Santiago, the, uh, the second day, and I can't remember the name of the town, but, um, I think it was, uh, leaving Negreta. Um, I, it was, I had read all these blogs and read all this information about, um, you know, what to pack and what to bring. Yeah. And so I, I, uh, somebody said, don't bring a flashlight for when you leave in the morning, because you have a flashlight on your phone. Cause it's just extra weight. You don't need it. And I thought, well, that makes perfect sense. Doesn't it? Well, I woke up in the morning and it was pouring rain. And the only light I had was, was my, was my phone and um, quickly, five minutes into that morning at uh, six thirty or so in the morning, when I headed out in the in in the, in the dark rain, was my flashlight. It was my flashlight. My only light was my phone, and my phone got so wet that uh, when I moved my finger around on on the phone, it I, it wouldn't work. And um, and all I could think about was my phone's going to fry, and then I'm going to be out of luck because it has all my. Um, it has all my hotel or all my um, my flight home information. It has everything on it, and I thought, oh my gosh! I, so I put my phone in my in my bag, and I'm just out of luck. And it's so dark, I couldn't see. The trail was in a deep forested area, and I couldn't see. I was almost walking by feel. And uh, I get to a part in the trail where the trail um, teed, 
and I had a poncho on over my pack and I had, um, I was kind of touching and I could see a marker that told that, you know, those, the, 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 the famous markers on the trail that yeah. it was so dark. I couldn't tell if the arrow went right or left. And so I have my poncho hood on and, and I, and I'm reaching up and it was really muddy where the, where the, where the marker was. And I put one hand around the marker and I reached up and I was feeling like Braille to see which way the arrow went. When out of the darkness, I heard a voice say, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I startled, I, I slid down the mud and I turned around and there was, um, Juwan Lee, the nicest Korean man that was behind me. And he'd been following me for about a mile and he thought I was some local drunk guy from the night before walking home the way I was walking back and forth down the trail. And uh, I explained to him that I, about my, my flashlight story and how I didn't have one. And he kind of shook his head and gave me the disapproval of, of just another typical American out there. And uh, he said, well, follow me because he had a light. And, and so for the first three or four hours, we walked together and he really didn't look at me other than giving me the, the kind of the, the dumb guy look. And we ended up having coffee and visiting, and I and I asked him where he'd started, and he said he he flew into Paris and took the train down and and uh, and made his way over to uh, to, to Saint Port and, and came over that way, and um and he and so he'd made it all the way to Santiago, and now he was doing that last stretch, and and I said that's amazing. I said tell me something about your journey, and this is what he said. I said have you had any problems? And he said you know Steve, I'm 42 years old. I speak English and no Spanish and no French, and I have never been outside of South Korea. He said, uh, I've only, he said my, my flight leaving to come on this trip was my first airplane I'd ever been on. And when I got to Paris, I had to figure out how to get on the train in, in French and take the train down. And, and then I had to figure out how to find the, the, the albergues and hostels over there and and then I had to figure out how to get on the trail and without knowing anybody and without knowing the language. And, and he said, I, I, I went over into, into Spain and about my third day into Spain, I met this 73 year old fellow Korean that we met on the trail. And he said, I asked him, I said, wow. I said, uh, how old are you? And he said, 73. And he, and he said, everything. Okay. He said, and the 73 year old man said, I've never left Korea before. This was my first airplane ride. He said, uh, I speak no French, no Spanish, or no English. And Joan, then he, then he stopped and he said, you know, Steve, I was feeling sorry for myself. And then until I met this man, this man is 73 and doing this. He said, all of a sudden, I realized that if he could do it, I can do it. He said, there's always people that have it a lot harder than me. And from then on, I had a pep in my step, and it's been amazing ever since. That's such and a great story. Is, isn't that amazing? There's, there's one little final part of that story. Is we, we, we came into this little town, and uh, we had dinner, and we had dinner together and visited. And um, I got his contact information, and, and I said, hey, we got up so early this morning in the rain. I'm not doing that tomorrow. My clothes are all wet. I'm going to dry everything, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, when I wake up, I'm going to go. Cause we didn't, the next day wasn't a long day. And I said, if I see you in the morning, great. If not, it was fantastic knowing you. And, and off we went. So the next day I didn't see him at all. And I come down into, it's pronounced Faye, C-E-E is the first time you come to the coast. And I walk out onto the, where the water is. I, I checked into and dropped my stuff off and hung everything up to dry. And, 
as as you do. And I walked out, and there was on the bay there. There was um, a great little walkway around it with fish everywhere in the water. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's uh, this, this fish are amazing. How many of them there are? And I there was an old Spanish gentleman there, and and I asked him in Spanish. I said, oh boy, look at all these fish. Can you eat these? And he said, oh no, those are those are uh, cleaning or cleaning fish, like some sort of. Uh, carp cleaning kind of fish. He said, you don't eat them. They're, they're, they're trash fish is what he called them in Spanish. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And, and he walked one way and, and I was there and a Korean woman walked up to me and in English asked me, she said, do you, do you know anything about these fish? Um, can you eat them? And I said, you know, it just so happens that I'm an expert on these fish. <laughs> I just, I just learned all about them. And I said, I, and I said, no, they're 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 cleaning fish, and you don't eat them, but they're but they're here everywhere. And when the tide comes up, they're all up into the river mouth into the bay here. And she said, um, I said, where are you from? And she said, well, I'm, I live in Virginia, in the United States, but I'm originally from South Korea. And I said, oh, interesting. And she said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from the United States. And she said, where? And I said, from Idaho. And she paused, and she said, are you Steve? <laughs> And I, I said, oh, my gosh, like, what, like, what did I do? To, is there, are there warnings on the Albergues on the wall to look out for this guy or something? I, and, and she saw the look on my face. I said, yes, I am, Steve. I said, how? And she laughed and she said, oh, I walked all day yesterday with Juwan and he told me all about you. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's such a small Camino world, I learned, you know, and, and, and there are characters you hear about along the way that, that resonate throughout your journey, aren't there? Oh, that's for sure. That's great. I love that. I, I, you wrote to me and said, I'm a borderline spreadsheet pilgrim, but I've learned a lot about being unplugged, spontaneous side of the way. So tell us about your preparation, because there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are thinking of walking. Did you know where you were going to stay? Uh, you, you mentioned that you only had a, a very limited amount of time. So I'm, I'm assuming you would have had a, a pretty good mud map of how and where and when. Yeah. I, and, and so you and I were talking before a call that um, I do travel for work. And um, so I have typically, um, I have to be in certain places at certain times. So I, I usually have my day planned out to the minute because I have to know when I have to leave the hotel, when I have to get in the the Uber or the taxi and when I have to get to the airport and all that kind of stuff. So I worry about that because one little um, hiccup along the way and you can get thrown off. So, uh, and that's one of the things we were talking about my wife and I and, and, and her um, not having a lot of interest in this. We're very different and she's more by the seat of her pants than I am. And I work off of a, I work off of a list all the time. I, every day I wake up and go, okay, these are all the things I have to do today. And I planned it. I didn't plan so much on the trip as far as this is what I'm going to do other day, all day other than walk. But I did read about the, the towns and about the places of history and that type of stuff. But I quickly realized that, you know, there was so much more than that. And to me, the most interesting places were the things that weren't in the books. And what I mean about that is, um, you know, one of your callers said something um, uh, that I listened to, and I don't remember from what time period, but she said that she wanted to um, talk to every cow and smell every flower. And she said at one point she like laid in a field and talked to a goat for a while. Do you remember that lady? Yeah, that's Patty she was, Pye, she I was think. One, Yeah, she was wonderful. When she yeah. said that, I thought, oh my gosh, she said that. I was thinking that's the way I got is 
I wanted to kind of stop and look at everything along the way, and it wasn't where I had originally planned. And um, so, how your question was how that how I've changed and, and, and since then, and and I've kind of learned that now. It's important, I think, for me, at least the way I operate, is I have to kind of know where I'm going and I have to have some sort of an itinerary. But at the same token, don't be, don't be handcuffed to it. Be able to pivot and be able to, to go with it when, when it is and don't be so tied up and, and, uh, and um, you know, uh, put your, don't put your stake in the ground and be, be uh, unwilling to pull the stake up and move it. Um, and I and I think that's important because so many so many things happen along the way where you meet somebody that says, "Oh, let's you know." I heard about this thing right down you just off the road here a little bit. Or um, I'll give you an I'll give you an example of that is I had, uh, when we got to Santiago and I was with my my pilgrim family that I mentioned before. I had some plans that night to go um, to go see something around town. And I don't even remember what it was to tell you the truth now, but when we went through the pilgrim mass, um, we were lucky enough to have the Bishop, um, do the mass when we were there. And the Brazilian guy I was with said, hey, I was just talking to a nun. And she said, stay after the mass. And the, and the, and the Bishop will show it. It's good. will show you around. And I thought on one hand, I thought, Oh, you know, I want, I already have something I'm going to do. And then I thought, you know, this sounds interesting. I'll do this. And it was one of the most amazing uh, end, end to the Santiago aspect of it that I could have had is he, the bishop, he said it in Spanish during the pass, during the mass, that if you want to stay, stay after the mass and I'll give you a tour of the cathedral. And because he said it in Spanish, you know, of the however many people were there, the majority of them left. So there was about 20 of us. And he took us all around the cathedral and told us of the history of different things. And we sang, um, he had these hymnals that were in English and Spanish, and we sang. And then he took us to these cloisters in the back. And he said, he gave everybody a piece of paper. And he said, in the old days, when the pilgrims arrived here, they would burn their clothes. He said that the burning of the clothes were a symbol of two things. One is um, they just hiked out from all over Europe, from wherever they came from, and their clothes were rotten and stinky, and they <laughs> needed to be burned. But the other thing was that it was a symbol of burning your sins and starting over. And uh, he said, I'm not going to ask you to take off your clothes and burn them here, but um, we're going to burn this, this. He had a, a little cauldron kind of thing and he, with the fire in it. He said, everybody, you know, think about it and put your paper in there and, and, and burn your – this will be a symbol of burning your sins and starting over. And, and I thought after it was all over, I thought, you know, if I would have stuck with my plan that I was, that I was trying to stick to, I would have missed all that. And it ended up being one of the most magical things that happened from the spirituality side of it. And, um, afterwards he took all of us in our little group up onto the altar and said, just sit down. And so we all sat down and we're sitting up on the main altar in, in the cathedral at Santiago de Compostela. The, the guards had, everybody else was out. There was just 20 of us in the whole church and it was all closed except for us. And he said, does anyone want to get up and tell their story? And these people got up and told their story about why they were hiking. Um, the Brazilian guy that I was with got up and told his story. This young Mexican boy got up and told about how his village in Mexico saved money for him to go 
and to come back and tell them about it. And, uh, and I thought, I mean, everybody there, like there was like when he told his story about, uh, you know, him doing this for his village again, it was one of those hair stand on its end situations. And another one of those magical things that happened, you're just like, you know, there's a lot more important stuff out there than, than uh, a, a list of things to do. <laughs> you know, does that make sense? Yes, it does. And, and it leads perfectly to the next question. You wrote to me and said, I learned how to be a better person. So what did your friends and family make of your transformation? Uh, uh, what do they make of it now? <laughs> it's funny because I, uh, you, I mean, you can tell now my enthusiasm and how much I, yeah. how, how much I just, I just think the world of this. I have to really dial down my enthusiasm <laughs> on what I'm telling and talking to people about it because I, I, it's. I was just thinking about this the other day because I started. Somebody asked me. They said, "How was your hike?" And I started to say, well, it wasn't a hike. And then I thought, you know, if I start saying what was on the tip of my tongue, I would sound like some kind of fanatic. <laughs> and so <laughs> my family, like, you know, my wife is like, she kind of gives me the eye roll and says, uh, you know, you're going back. Didn't you just get back? And, and, uh, and, and everybody else, you know, and again, I did a small section of it, but the people I tell about, oh, you know, I, I, I hiked 140 miles in nine days and and was there for 14 days total. And they say, Oh my gosh, that's so much. And I thought, and, and I, I don't, I don't often say, well, that's like a fraction of what a lot of the other pilgrims do, you know, the ones that go the, the whole French way and, and, and do it. And so, um, you know, it's, it, it, it to your question is, um, it's changed me from the standpoint of, of wanting to be a better person from the standpoint of, it's taught me patience and um, even though I'm in a rush to get back and do it again, it, it's, it's taught me to slow down and enjoy things more. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one quick story. Do we have time for yeah, another little Yeah, we've quick? got all the time in the okay. world. Go ahead. Perfect. Um, I, as I said, I, I finished in, in Finisterre, which uh, you've shared this before it, it, in, in, in Latin, that means end of the earth. And before Columbus, they used to think that was the end of the earth with regards to, to Europe and sailing off the end of the, end of the world. And it's this really amazing point that sticks out there and you, you walk out there and you do kind of feel like you're out, um, you know, at the end of everything. And I arrived and, and it rained all day and I was kind of wet. And in fact, it's the only time of the whole time I put on jeans cause it was, uh, I brought one pair of long pants jeans and I was, I was, the wind was blowing and I was cold and I didn't, I didn't have anything that was dry. So yeah. I put on these long pants and I walked, it's about, a, I can't remember. I want to say maybe two kilometers or three kilometers from the town out to the point. Yeah. And, uh, and so I walked out there and, and I'm out on the point and, um, there was, uh, a couple of, of German couples and, they asked if I would take their picture, and I said, "Sure, if you take mine." And we took each we took each other's pictures out on the point. And, you know, it is kind of it's sad a little bit because you realize it's the end. <clears throat> I mean, literally and figuratively, it's the end. It's the finished city. It's the end of the earth, but it's the end of the Camino. You can't go any further. And um, you know, you could turn around and go back, but you, you can't go any further that way. And so, um, there's it, it a little bit of a, almost a melancholy. But at the same time, you know, that you've arrived and there's a completion to it. 
And there was a Dutch guy that was there, and he said, hey, after you guys take pictures, would you take my picture? And I said, oh, by all means. And uh, so the, the Germans and I finished up, and then he handed me his camera, and he says, um, for those of you who have been there, there's, a, there's like a, a, an antenna tower. And he said, I'm going to climb up on this antenna, and I'm going to tie this backpack up there in these shoes. Would you take my picture when I do it? And I thought, yeah, I, I guess. So while we were waiting for, for uh, some people to get out of the way to take the picture, I said, so what's your story? He says, well, I just finished. And I said, well, we, you know, we all just finished. And here, I'm, you know, I'm a little proud of my, my little 140-mile section, and I'm you know, kind of uh, you know, in awe of my little journey. And, yeah. and I said, we, you know, we all just finished. And this is um, October 17th, I think. And he says, no, he says, uh, I started in June, the end of June, in Amsterdam. Gosh. And I, and I said, what? He said, yeah, I've been walking since the end of June, and I just got here. I just finished. And I was like, oh, my God. I was in the middle of – I was funny. I was in the middle of shaking his hand when, I, when that happened. I was just like – I had my hand outstretched. And when he said that, I just – I kind of like a, a sense of something came over me, and I just said, man, give me a hug. And like we, we just we gave each other. Here we are, you know, two two big burly men on the side of a rock, giving <laughs> each other a big hug. I don't. And uh, I said that is incredible. And uh, he said, Yeah, these are. I, I wore out two pairs of shoes, and he was tying up one of the pairs of shoes up on the up on the thing, and, and tied his backpack up on it. And uh, I said, My gosh! I said, You know, what did you tell me something about your journey? He said, I walked uh, 1,000. He told me the kilometers at the time. I don't remember, but I translated it. I, 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 I later did it on my phone. It was 1,950 miles he walked. Gosh. And, yeah, and, he's, and I said, what did you learn? And kind of to, to one of uh, – later on, I, I, I've come to know it as a Dan Mullins question, I guess. Is <laughs> he said – I said, what did you learn about this? And he told me, he said, I – I left Amsterdam with a lot of questions. I've, I'm now a better man, and I'm going to go home and make everybody around me better people. And when he told me that, I was just like, again, that hair thing, that hair that stands up that happens so many times on the Camino. Yeah. I just, when I tell that story now, it happens again. It's just like, oh, my gosh. And so like, I, I go, I'm come give me another hug again. I, give me a big hug again. And, and uh, we stood there and just looked out into the uh, into the ocean out out from there for about ten fifteen minutes and and uh, I I you know we didn't even really say anything we just stood there and smiled at each other just you know in amazement over this whole thing and uh, you know I got his uh, he told me his name his name was Peter and uh, I said our goodbyes and I walked back to town and and uh, I kicked myself I said man I sure wish I would have visited with Peter more. And as you know, there's a there's kind of a fun little town there when you get there, yeah. but it's uh, and uh, so uh, that night I hung all my stuff up to dry and I went down to the pub, and I'm hanging in the pub having a beer my my last night of the Camino and and I, I met a French man who was interviewing pilgrims and he was writing a book about interviews that he did on everybody that finished all the way there at Finisterre, and I said, oh my gosh, he said my story is nothing. You should have met this guy Peter who I just met. And I told him the same story I just now shared with you. And right then, on cue, I'm looking. The French guy is between me and the door. And right on cue, Peter walked in the door. No way. And uh, 
yeah. And he like walked in and we, uh, I said, Oh my gosh, come over here, Peter. And I introduced him to the French guy and, and, uh, we, we drank beers and, and just visited until way too late. And, uh, and again, we, and then I got, to, then we exchanged emails and phone numbers and uh, I've since, I, we've since corresponded uh, via email and, you know, he's invited me to come stay with them in Amsterdam. And, and, uh, again, one of the things that happens and I, and, and, and the, the three people that I mentioned earlier that I walked with, I, when, when I left them in Santiago, I told them, I said, you know, I've known you guys for four or five days now, and I feel like lifelong friends. And I don't know anywhere else where I can meet someone in four or five days and, and, and call up and come sleep on your couch if I'm coming through town. Yeah. That's so you know, great. And it's, and it's that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. And I, I love the fact that you've taken part of his story with you on your journey. And, and I've said here so many times that pilgrims are great sharers and great, great carers. And in sharing our stories and listening to others, we're all sharing and caring together. And that's what bonds us together as pilgrims nationally and internationally too. Uh, it's, it's a little something like the fellow that I met at the pub last night. Both of us were looking at one another, patting one another on the back saying, I know. And we know, we're looking at each other saying, you know, we've had that connection, man. We know what it's, what it's about. And, 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 that, and I've said many times that the Camino makes the world a much smaller place. It, it, it does. That, that, and and you ask, you ask your, your callers all the time this, and I, and I love this because it's always a little bit different, is, you know, how would you describe the Camino – how do you describe it to other people? And, and I really struggle with that. Yeah. And that was my next question, you, by the way. <laughs> but, but I really struggle with that because, um, and, and every time your callers, I, I've listened to now, I, I haven't, you know, a, a dozen or so of them. Every time I, I, I uh, somebody says what they kind of have the same kind of, um, hurdle almost. And like you said, when you meet another pilgrim, wherever it is in the world, you kind of, you kind of can look at each other in the eye and don't have to say a word. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, fan- uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it is. And it's like something shared that I don't know of anything else that, that is like that from the standpoint of it's more, more than trying to describe, um, the trip you're trying to describe an emotion that comes from that trip. And I'm kind of talking first time I really thought about it in that perspective, talking to you about it, but you know, um, that, that the significance of that, um, that feeling is so impactful that I think it was why people yearn to go back once they've done it. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 and so in sort of winding it up, winding things up here, what would you say to somebody thinking of walking? It, you know, <laughs> um, it, it's I want to tell everybody and I want to tell nobody <laughs> for selfish reasons. You know, on the one hand, I want to share with everyone how wonderful of a time it was and how meaningful it's been to me. And anybody asking me about it, I say, oh, man, you got to do it. This is incredible. It'll be the best thing you've ever done in your life. 
and you got to do it. But on the other hand, I like think, well, I don't want to tell any more anybody else about it. I want this to be, to be, you know, the way it is. And I don't ever want it to change. And I remember one of your other callers once, um, that has done it. Oh, I think it was a lady who, um, wrote her, uh, uh, she was doing, she did her thesis on, on the Camino and, and she said something about when's the best time to do it. And her answer was, well, everybody says that when they did it was the best time. <laughs> but, so I kind of think about that too, you know, is, um, I think everybody, no matter when they go is the best time to do it. And, and with that is when people ask me about it, I, I tell them that, you know, you will come away as Peter did a better person and the way I did is trying to be a better person and and helping everybody else realize that they can be better people too. You're a good man. This is a great story. I've really thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. It, it, Steve, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. Really, it has to chat with you. And I wish you all the very best. And I know, I don't even hope, I know our paths will cross one day and I hope it's on the Camino de Santiago. I, I I hope it is too. I I want to get. I want if not uh, in Sydney to come here. You play music somewhere. Oh, yeah. I uh, yeah. I you know I I have you up there with all of the other great uh, Australian humanitarian philosophers and uh, and and stating the. I hope I find. I, I hope you find what you're looking for somewhere along the way. I I think that is that is brilliant, and uh, I hope to hear you sing that live someday. That'd be fantastic. Steve, thank you so much. And Buen Camino. Buen Camino. Thank you. My guest this week, the American pilgrim, Steve Wolfer. And it was Walt Disney who once said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? What a great interview. Don't forget, if you're interested in sponsoring me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins or danmullinsmusic.com. And you might consider buying me a cafe con leche a week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins, Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way.